Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, welcome back from our 10-day break after celebrating our 400th show last Sunday live at the Irish Rover Station House. Yeah, we had a great time there, Bill. Uh, And now we're off and running on our second 400 shows, I guess. Um, And fear not, with the extra couple of days off, Bill, I'm re-energized, ready to go. Me too, me too. And so are the Phillies, apparently. They came out of the All-Star break, got swept by a bad Cubs team, but now come back, go 2-1, and win the series against the Braves. That's good. Uh, Eagles camp is open with high hopes. John Tortorella fighting back with the Flyers' new free agency. The Sixers think they want a new arena downtown. I think that idea absolutely stinks. I'm in Atlantic City at the National Sports Memorabilia Show. You scored a hat trick last weekend with concerts, and we have Mike Zielski tonight to help us sort it all out. Yeah, I've been on a little concert tour, as you said, Bill. I I don't play any instruments, but I just like to go to shows. More on that later. Uh, The good news is – yeah, the Phillies got swept by the stinking Cubs, but they are still very much alive in the wild card race. And yeah, Mike Seals, he's going to join us to help put everything in perspective. Well, let's get to it. Let's welcome Mike back. Fresh from a, well, kind of fresh from a vacation over in Europe. Mike, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Guys, it's a pleasure to be with you as always. Thanks for having me. And just so everybody's aware, Mike is on the phone tonight. He is, uh, we don't get to see his smiling face, but we have this nice graphic up from when Mike was, I don't know, I'm guessing a few (laughs) years younger than he is now, just a couple of years ago. He still looks great though, but uh, I know the women are disappointed. Uh, Anyway, Mike, I know you had a lovely family vacation last month, Switzerland, right? Yeah, that's right, Chad. My, uh, My wife actually lived just outside Zurich from the time she was six until she was 15 her dad had a job over there um and then the family eventually moved back to new jersey so uh this was the first chance we had to to bring our kids over there my my wife's parents were able to uh, accompany us and we just we had a great trip we were there for a week we were in zurich we were in a little town called engelberg we did some hiking we toured the lint chocolate factory which is the only tour that i've ever taken uh, that I ended five pounds heavier than I was when I began. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, they, they have good stuff. I've had their chocolates. Anyway, you return to an up-and-down Philly season. A lot of positive buzz about the Eagles as they begin training camp. A not-so-thrilling flyer summer. And last week, as Bill mentioned, the out-of-the-blue news that the 76ers are looking to build a new arena in Center City near 10th and Market. Let's start there, Mike. You wrote about the thing several days ago lots of questions about this proposal what are the key things to watch regarding this arena proposal from the 76ers well in some ways chet i don't think we know what the key things are because this plan if it comes to fruition is going to be completed nine years from now 
Uh, that's the idea that the Sixers want to open this arena in 2031. So, look, I mean, the best that we can do, we don't know what the country's going to look like then. We don't know what the Sixers are going to look like then. We don't know what the city's going to look like then. Um, I think the, the obvious things that spring to mind are, are the Sixers owners really committed to doing this entirely with private funds, as they say they are? Uh, and what sort of tax breaks would the city be willing to give them, if any? Um, that's the first thing. What is Philadelphia going to look like at that time? Are the, the issues of crime uh, and poverty and homelessness that seem to be, you know, really hampering the city now going to continue to be problems back then? Uh, is the location going to be ideal? Uh, you know, the Sixers want those suburban dollars. And, you know, I heard Bill reference the fact that he hates the idea of the downtown arena. I would imagine a lot of people feel that way. Uh, especially people who live outside the city because the South Philly complex is so easy to get to for people who don't want to take public transportation. So, you know, there's a lot there. I'm very skeptical that opening an arena downtown will do a whole lot of good for the economy of the city. You look at the studies of these things, sports arenas tend not to have a, a really major positive impact on the economy of the towns where they're built. So I, I'm, I'm say, I would say I'm about 52% to 53% really skeptical and about 47 to 48%. Okay, let's see how this goes. <laughs> All right. Do you, Mike, do you think the thought process is that they want to be a Madison Square Garden type of situation uh, with a downtown? I, I just don't see the whole travel situation uh, parking, all, all that stuff. Like you say, things are certainly going to change in 10 years or nine years, but uh, it just does not seem even ideal when you have the best sports complex in the country the way it's set up right now. Yeah, I, you know, they, the people who like this idea, Bill, push that uh, comparison of Madison Square Garden. But two things. Number one, the, the, the New York and northern New Jersey train, bus, and subway systems are – so much more far-reaching and so much more convenient and in a way so much more complex than SEPTA is and the Philadelphia system is. Uh, and number two, it is much more a part of the culture of New York and northern New Jersey to take public transportation, even if you live outside the city. Um, it, you know, I lived, when I worked up in New York for three years, two of those years I lived in a town in New Jersey named Berkeley Heights. The easiest, most convenient way for me to get to the city was to take the train. And it was that. It was easy and convenient. You could basically walk to a New Jersey transit stop anywhere from the town of Berkeley Heights. And you were in the city within an hour and without fail. Philadelphia doesn't really have that. They certainly don't have trains running often enough right now um, to be able to accommodate that increase in, in commuter traffic. Um, so you'd have to build SEPTA up. That's going to cost more money. You're going to have to run trains at hours of the night that generally speaking, there aren't a lot of trains running. I, you know, I don't want to be like a cold bucket of water here, but I, it just seems to me a lot of things would have to come together for this to really work in the way it seems like the Sixers want it to work. And you also mentioned in your piece among the questions, what if the Sixers are lousy again eight or nine years from now? We <laughs> hope that's not the case, but hey, you never know. Mike, let's switch gears, talk a little Eagles football. Training camp is officially open. There's a lot of optimism about the birds heading into camp and the preseason and then the regular season. Uh, is this team going to be pretty good? I think they are, Chet. Um, you know, I, I, as I wrote the other day, 
was in today's you know edition of the Inquirer. It would be surprising if this team made a deep run in the playoffs and even reached the Super Bowl, but it would only be so surprising um, because they've. It looks to me on paper that they've got everything that you need to be a really good team, with the obvious question marks. You know, how good is Jalen Hurts going to be? How, how much of, it, of an improvement can he make as a passer? Uh, what are we going to see from the from Jonathan Gannon? Uh, but he certainly has more weapons on the defensive side of the ball to deploy. Um, look, they made a lot of additions in the offseason that should help them. They have a good young core of players who appear to be improving. Guys like Jordan Maialata, you know, that offensive line is the, the best in the NFL, I think. Um, I think there's reason to be optimistic this year. And, we, you know, I didn't even mention – the fact that their schedule is, you know, looks like to be full of cupcakes. I mean, if if they don't come out of the shoot four and zero, people are going to be disappointed, and rightly so. Um, look at that early schedule, uh, you know, starting with the Lions in Detroit and going from there. So, um, I think there's reason to be optimistic. And and being there at camp today for the opening, you know, you can get a, a decent sense of things. Not everything at training camp matters, but a general look of the you know lay of the land and talking to people and i think there is reason to be optimistic about the birds this year well mike i think it's uh it's going to be who nick uh, seriani to see how he operates this offense and takes some of that pressure off of jalen hurts with all the weapons that he has and i think calling calling plays and and doing the right things to not put the game on hurts's shoulders especially early in the season is going to be key well, here's the thing, Bill. They did that in the second half of last season, and it worked. Mm -hmm. But they did it because they had to, because they were throwing the ball a ton in the early part of the season, and it wasn't going well. Hurts, you know, putting Hurts at the centerpiece of the offense, it wasn't working. And while I agree with you that maybe this team, at in its best iteration, runs the ball, you know, 55 to 60 percent of the time, here's the thing. The Eagles didn't sign Dallas Goddard to a lucrative extension and they didn't draft Devontae Smith last year in the first round and they didn't trade draft picks to the Tennessee Titans to get uh, a star receiver in A.J. Brown to have Jalen Hurts turn around and hand the ball off to Miles Sanders and maybe Jordan Howard or Kenneth Gainwell. They want to throw the ball. That's what they believe in. That's what Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman believe in. I think that's what Nick Sirianni believes in. So... Uh, while I agree with you that their running game could be tremendous, um, they don't want to have to do what they did last year again. They want to throw the ball, and that's going to put Jalen Hurts under the microscope. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like, we just had this story break this week with Kyler Murray in Arizona, right, about this clause in his contract that he has to bear, you know, the Cardinals are mandating that he bear down and study the playbook and study film and all of that. You don't have to worry about that with Jalen Hurts. You know, he's got all the intangibles. The, the locker room loves him. They respect him. He's a leader. The problem is the stuff that he has to do as kind of a conventional NFL quarterback. Can he drop back, find a receiver, stay in the pocket, throw the ball in the middle of the field? Because uh, Kyler Murray can do all those things. He just apparently gets too distracted by video games. So it's, um, mm -hmm. it's an interesting situation the Eagles have. Um, you know, and it's going to be fascinating to see how Hurts performs this season. I make sure Bill studies his 10 hours of film before our show every single week, Mike, just so you know. 
Great. You're and a hard driving son of a gun, Chet. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to well, do. You see, so. I, I was playing, I, I was studying for the bonus, Mike. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Eagles and Cowboys are probably going to battle it out for the division. Uh, what do you think, Mike? 10, 11 wins for the Birds? I mean, they look, they went 9 and 8 last season, um, and they're better this season. So, I think anything under 10 wins at a minimum is a disappointment. Um, you know, even 10 wins would be something of a disappointment, I think. Um, as I said, their schedule is soft. The Giants aren't good. Washington isn't good, um, even with the addition of Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I, I think they should be an 11-12 win team based on their schedule, their offensive and defensive lines, and their skilled personnel. The wiggle room is what Hurts and Gannon are going to provide, right? Like, that's going to be the thing um, because they should be able to get to the quarterback. They, they didn't have a whole lot of sacks last season. They didn't, didn't create turnovers, didn't pressure opposing quarterbacks much. Uh, they've got different personnel now to be able to do that, more depth in the defensive line, Hassan Reddick, multiple fronts, all those sorts of things. I think you're looking at a 12-win team um, unless major injury or, you know, Nick Sirianni or the coaching staff or Jalen Hurts really just proves that they're not ready for prime time. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. And, you know, the other thing back on Hurts for just a second, uh, you know, I think to your point, I, I fully agree with you from last year's situation, but I think they've got so many more weapons this year with A.J. Brown and and another year with Devontae Smith. I, I just think, uh, you know, if Quez Watkins is the, is the worst receiver you have on the field, uh, I think you've got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, it's it, he's, a, he's a great name. He had, Bill, he actually had a terrific – uh, back shoulder catch today at camp uh, against Asante Samuel on a throw. Nice throw from Hertz. I, I'm a big Quez Watkins guy, and I think you're right. Having somebody with his kind of speed in the slot as your third receiver, and even with the versatility to be able to line up wide if you need him to, um, you know, he's kind of a, a you know sleeper candidate for me for a really you know vital and you know interesting and and potentially explosive player in this offense. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. Can't wait. Uh, let's talk a little pucks, Mike. Boy, the Flyers had a great offseason, said nobody ever. Uh, the Flyers trade for Tony D'Angelo is a mistake in every way. That's a quote from you in a piece you wrote. Uh, why do you say that, Mike? You don't like Tony D'Angelo? What's going on here? I have nothing personal against Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> I know. Um, what, I what, what I stand against is the idea that the Flyers are giving up draft picks um, to acquire – you know, a risky player um, and, and then signing him to a two-year contract at $5 million a piece for, you know, each year. Um, they should not be doing that. They should be rebuilding. They should be hoarding draft picks. They have to get bad in order to get good. And I know their fans don't want to hear that. Maybe I hold out some kind of hope that the Flyers are actually, what they're saying is not what they're doing, but the action of signing Tony D'Angelo to me just didn't make any sense. Like, I know you need a right-handed shooting defenseman, you know, because you don't have anybody else and you, you want somebody to run your power play. But those draft picks are what are going to bring you back from the depths that you're in now. <coughs> Excuse me. Every team that's been great in the NHL since the dawn of the salary cap was bad at first. And the Flyers need to be bad. And and they are <laughs> right now. I, what, what do you think, Mike, uh, you know, the, the whole Johnny Goudreau thing and the way that played out? 
do you think that the Flyers were really just backed into a cap corner that there was just nothing they could do without moving four or five bodies or whatever? I mean, you got to have a partner to trade. And maybe there just wasn't anybody out there to do that. What, what do you think of that whole, how that all went down? They should, if they were serious about getting Johnny Goudreau, they would have had a plan two years out, like the Phillies did with Bryce Harper. That was not a, a spur of the moment decision by the Phillies to go sign Bryce Harper. They had targeted him a couple of years earlier and positioned themselves to be able to sign him. The Flyers did nothing of the sort. And the moves that they would have had to make to clear cap space would have left them like a just a, an empty husk of a team. And then you're paying all that money for a guy who's a great player, but he's going to be 29 years old. And by the time you maybe are good again, he's going to be in his mid-30s in all likelihood. So mm-hmm. it didn't make much sense to me at all. I know fans are disappointed, but they're better for not having signed him. Uh, I just think that the, the Angelo move you know, was kind of the wrong thing to do because you're giving up a net two draft picks in that trade, and that doesn't make sense for where they are right now. Hey, Mike, you wrote a piece, a fun piece, last month about Philly-related sports movies. A couple of Rocky films, of course, on the list, along with Foxcatcher, Silver Linings, Playbook, Invincible, the underrated big fan. I like that one, among others. Uh, Two things. Rocky Balboa should absolutely have been included. You left that one out. I like that one. And you wrote the column in connection with the release of Hustle. Please tell Bill Furman that he needs to see Hustle. <laughs> Bill, Hustle is terrific. It's it's a really excellent sports movie. I would put it in the top 10 Philly sports movies of all time. Just a really enjoyable movie. A lot of cool local touches. Yep. Adam Sandler's really good in it. Um, you know, a lot of, oh, there's that guy moments. Um, some funny lines. The screenplay, the script is really good. Go see it. I am going to check it out. Actually, I found out that my wife actually has Netflix. Well, there you who go. Who told me? Who told me, right? <laughs> You're all <laughs> you, set. Just, you just found this out? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of what those else things. What is she telling you? I, I don't know, but I'm usually watching games, and she's over there on her iPad watching something. Well, apparently it was Netflix. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, one more thing for you, Mike. I'm sure Bill has one final question. Uh, I heard from a semi-reliable source, okay, it was you, that there's going to be a piece in the Inquirer next week about Dick Vermeil ahead of his Hall of Fame induction. What can you tell us about that in advance of the piece? Sure. Well, I, I got to spend a couple hours with Dick at his home in Chester County. Uh, we did a long interview, and I've talked to some people since then. I really want to hone in on um, – you know, the, the the full image and person that Dick Vermeil was, I think the image of him uh, that people generally have over the last 40 years is one of, you know, he cries at a moment's notice. He's uh, on our billboards, you know, on the highway and on TV commercials with Independence Blue Cross and Cadillac and a local pitch man and all of these things. And I think people do forget what a, a hard nosed kind of hard ass coach he was. And how those edges of his led to his burnout and his retirement from the Eagles in 1982. And I kind of want to delve into that a little bit because I think he was the canary in the coal mine for a lot of discussion that takes place nowadays about mental health issues in sports. Um, And I want to kind of remind people of the real Dick Vermeil, not that the one we see on TV and in interviews nowadays that he's 85 isn't the real him, but there's there's more to him than just that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to ask my final question because we ran out of time. 
Um, but I tell you what, great stuff as always. We appreciate you coming by. Glad you had a good vacation and looking forward to uh, reading The Rise. I still haven't got to do that. I have the book. It's uh, It was in my summer reading. I just didn't get there yet. B- Bill, you bought it. That's all I care about, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, same I'm here. I bought it. I'm pragmatic about these things. <laughs> I'm going to read it too eventually. I have the graphic up on the screen right now, Mike. I really think you should promote it once in a while, Mike. That's my only advice. Look, look you, you you put your heart and soul <laughs> into one of these things. You're going to. I want to stand on the street corner with a sandwich board promoting it if I have to. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike. I think we've gotten to know you well enough that you do care if people read it, and you do care if people like it. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. That's true, Bill. Um, you know, it really was, uh, when I say I put my heart and soul into it, I mean that. And, um, I've been very fortunate that the feedback on it has been terrific. I'm very grateful for that. And when you guys do get around to reading it, uh, which I hope you do, um, I hope you love it. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll talk some more Eagles later. All right. Thanks guys. See ya. All right, Mike. Hey, All Chet, right. how about the gas prices? They're creeping down. People getting out a little bit. Uh, still higher than we want them, but they're creeping down. Unfortunately, good chance your couch is still getting more mileage than your car, and it's time for you to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. You know, Bill, I was actually excited to fill up my tank this morning and only pay <laughs> four twenty-five a gallon. How about that? Four twenty-five a gallon. It's like a bargain all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm just hoping to get my RV back down to Florida. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, that probably takes a lot of gas, I'm guessing. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyway, Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that's Dave Malloy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. That's right. Hey, Chet, uh, as we said, we had a blast. Sunday celebrating our 400th Philly Press Box Radio Show live from the Irish Rover Station House. That was cool. Certainly appreciate uh, the support from Chris and the crew there. They were fantastic. We could not have asked for anything more. Yeah, we really had a good time, Bill. Nice crowd. We gave away lots of stuff, some from our stash at Philly Press Box Radio, as well as some courtesy Miller Lite and the gang at the Irish Rover. We did a fun 90-minute show over there with um, a couple of our pals joining us, Big Al and Joey Sheeran from the Edge of Philly Sports Network. Look at those handsome guys right there, folks. Uh, <laughs> really, though, lots of fun, and I hope it's not three years until we get back over there again because uh, we had a blast, and they were just terrific to us. Absolutely. So, hey, what do they have com- coming up here in August as we head into August? Yeah, we're wrapping up July right here, Bill, and you're near the ocean right now, so you know this. It is Shark Week. And with that in mind, Bill, let's see if I can find the promo. Yeah, um, they have a related bunch of discounts on land shark loggers and sharky cocktails, as well as some daily giveaways, all related to Shark Week at the Irish Rover. I'll drink to that. Plus, every Thursday this month, the Rover's chefs have been competing in a killer burger competition. I believe it's wrapping up this week. Tomorrow is Thursday, if you're uh, you know watching us live here tonight, Wednesday. July, drawing to a close, as we said. Of course, there are always dinner specials and happy hour specials and 24 beers on top. 
on tap, all of that and more at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Get over there, have a few cocktails, and uh, say hi to the Sharks. Hey, I, I got a question for you uh, because I don't get out much. What are Sharky <laughs> cocktails? I have no idea. I, I'm a beer guy, Bill, so <laughs> I don't know. I get out and I, I go to things like concerts a lot, and occasionally I see this guy, Willie. Hey, everybody, it's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's talk some Phillies. Uh, as we said, they come out of the All-Star break. They get swept by the stinking Cubs. But bounce back, win two out of three from the Braves, winning today again. Um, but I got a bone to pick with you, pal. Me? Yes. Why's that? Because you and a bunch of others are on the hate train for Nick Castellanos. And I tell you <laughs> what, I got I got some – I'm feeling a little factual today, stat, statistical and factual. So then I'm going to put the pressure on you. Here we go. Leading up to today's game, not including today's game, Nick Castellanos, yeah. 246, eight homers, 46 RBIs, and 98 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. How's right? that compared to last year? Not too good. How about we talk about your boy Kyle Schwarber, the all-star, who's hitting 203. Yeah, I know. With 31 homers, 60 RBIs, 127 strikeouts, one pace for 200 strikeouts, and you're in love with that guy. Then we got the other guy that Nick uh, – Hoskins guy hitting 242, 19 and 45. He's got one less RBI than your boy Castellanos. He's hitting four points less than Castellanos. He's got 104 strikeouts, six more than Castellanos, and you're on the hate train for Castellanos. What's the deal? I'm not a hater, Bill. I'm not a hater. I'm just very disappointed in Nick. And I jokingly said in a group chat today, did you boo Nick for me? Because uh, our, our pal Big Al was there. Um, Nick's been scuffling, man. Yeah, I know Schwarber's numbers are not looking that great anymore, especially the batting average down to 202 or 203, as you said. But, you know, at least he's been hitting the long ball, which is one of the things they got him for. Castellanos, who we thought was going to hit 25 or 30 minimum, is on pace for, what, 14? And that's not cutting it. But the thing for me that really gets me is his at-bats just look horrible some of the time. I know he's hitting 42 points or 43 points higher than Schwarber, but look at his at-bats. He's swinging and missing sometimes at balls that are, you know, 10 inches out of the strike zone or, you know, just low and away. He's not even coming close to some of those. And at least Schwarber gets on base with more walks than Castellanos does. <laughs> I'm not look. I'm not in love with Stop Schwarber it. either. I'm. I'm just saying Castellanos has been a major disappointment. <laughs> Plus, he's kind of a butcher out in right field. He is. He's slower than you, Bill. And that's saying something. Well, but the, you got to remember, he wasn't supposed to be the right fielder. Oh, I know. I know. So there's that. So he's he's filling in. But you know, and. You know, I'm, I'm going to put this up here because and I just Reese is, to. Reese is streaky as all hell. We know that. No, no kidding. I'm going to put this up there. <laughs> five hundred million for five years. Who cares? It's not your money. It's not our money. And 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 we'll take this one step further because you were on this hate train too. Alec Baum Baum is now hitting two ninety three. 
he's hot, man. It what, wasn't, 12 or 13-game hitting streak? It wasn't, uh, but about maybe six weeks ago, you were wanting to package him up in a trade deal. <laughs> Come on, man. I, I don't recall marathon. that. You, you're going to have to check the tapes on that one. I like Bohm. Uh, um, um, no. <laughs> I'm glad to see him succeed. I like the kid, and I wish he'd mix in a few long balls occasionally. But, uh, you know, he is hitting for average now, and he's in the lineup pretty much every day, usually at third base, occasionally as the DH. He had a, a bad game over the weekend defensively, but other than that, he's been much better than I expected defensively. I want Alec Bowman to succeed. I want Nick Castellanos to succeed, Bill, but he's letting me down. And I want Kyle Schwarber to hit 240 or 250, not 203. So it's not just hating on one guy. I want everybody to do better because if they do better, the Phillies' prospects as far as you know, getting into and succeeding in the postseason are better. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. But you know what, Chet, you're showing your Philly fandom. You know, it's like it's like you going to your job and being evaluated every single day, right? There's 162 games in a season. It's a long season. There's there's peaks, there's valleys, there's good days, there's bad days. But the Philly fandom, it's a one day deal. You go zero for four today, you're a bum. You're a bum. And then you go and, two yeah. for four, and you get hot like Alec Bohm, and and you have a 13, 14 game hitting streak. And now you're a good player. Stop it with all that nonsense. Well, I would play love it to out. See, be a fan. I would love to see Nick get hot because uh, you know he struck out again once or twice today, hitting to a double play. Um, I'm pulling for the guy. I want him to hit more than one home run in a month, but uh, he's been struggling. And I want Kyle Schwarber to get hot again too. He's what two for his last twenty or something like that. Both of them solo home runs. Come on, guys, we need you. Yeah. That you are correct on. Now, let's talk. Well, good, because you need to be because you were falling into the hate train. I can't have that from my partner. Hey, Gene Segura on a little uh, rehab, 0 for 3 last night, 4 at bats. He walked the other time. Uh, He's going to play the field this evening, apparently, second base, and he could be back on the big team this weekend, Bill. The question for me is, you know, when he gets back, does he play second and Stott go to short and Didi to the bench? Do they, you know, mix and match depending on the pitcher on the opposing team? What's going to happen there? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a big question. They're First of all, they're going to have to make a roster move. Uh, Somebody's going to go. Bohm now has locked down third base, so we, we got that. Hall is going to stay somewhere, it looks like. He's yeah. earned the right to stay somewhere. Um, Hoskins is going to stay unless somebody gets moved. So that middle infield, there's there's not enough guys. Um, you know, I, if I were a betting, guessing man, I'm not going to bet. If I were a guessing man, I would think Didi's going to get the reps. Hmm. Um, again. Even with, even with Stott having, uh, you know, done pretty well yeah, the last two weeks? Well, and, and I think Stott is playing really well, but I think going back to the, to the big picture, um, Didi's got the experience. I think Didi's going to get every opportunity to be successful. And if he's not, then Stott can step in. But uh, I think coming out of the shoot, if Didi's healthy, he's going to get the reps. It was and nice, Segura. Nice to see them put up seven runs today because I know they got six Monday, but three of those came late on the homer by Stott. They've been struggling offensively. Uh, I mean, and that disastrous series against the Cubs really got me worried. I mean, one of the worst teams in the league and you get swept by the Cubs at home. That can't happen, Bill. 
No, no, it absolutely can't happen. And uh, they, they couldn't hit anything against a bunch of guys who aren't, you know, aren't top-notch pitchers, top-notch pitchers. But they, they bounced back against the Braves, which they needed to do. They got the Braves a bunch more times, and they need to win those games. Yeah, they really do. Um, Pittsburgh this weekend, they're out in the Steel City, a four-game series. I want to see them win three out of four. Uh, I think our, our friend Jane is going to be at one of the games, so hopefully they'll get a win for Jane. Um, they got to beat these teams that are below them in the standings so they can catch the teams that are ahead in the standings. They're still right there, you know, with St. Louis and San Diego. And I, I think it's going down right till the last week of September for those last couple of wild card spots. Oh, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I think they have to kind of, you're not going to win every game. You know, but I think what they can do is they can win every series. And whether it's yeah. two out of three, three out of four, however, that's what they need to do. And uh, they'll be there at the end if, if that happens. And by the way, I think we put out some bad information during our live show regarding the, the postseason. The first round of the playoffs, uh, the series with the wild card teams, it's best out of three with all three games in the home team of the higher seed. So, the Phillies would play a three-game series against uh, whoever the third seed was, which would be the, the weakest division winner. And, yeah, you're going on the road for a, a three-game series, and you got to win two out of three on the road. That's how it's going to shape up. Right, right. That's assuming that the Phillies have the last wild-card spot. Right, or next right. to last even. Then you would play yeah. the next yeah. wild-card. Yeah, what what did we say? I thought that's what we did say, no? I think we said three out of five because I asked someone in the audience who told us three out of five. But, no, it's the first round is just best of three all on the road. If you're a All right. One final Phillies question for you. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting there, uh, you know, we're, we're almost to August 1st. We're where we are. Um, you making any moves and who you moving? I'm making a move. I don't know what it is. I'm making a move for a starting pitcher because – Although they think Zach Eflin is coming back at some point, which he might, and I hope he does. I have no faith in him right now with those knee problems that he's been having that keep flaring up. Uh, I want another starter. I'm content with the bullpen. I, I I thought I would never say that about the Phillies bullpen, but they've done a pretty good job, all things considered, over the last month. So I think if you're going to make a move, get another starter somehow. I don't want to give up Ohapi or one of the top prospects, but – do what you can. Package some of the you know medium level prospects and get us a, a number four starter. What about uh, the bullpen guys? Would you consider packaging up a couple of them and sending them out um, to possibly get a starter? And second question: Are you happy that um, to sit tight in center field and wait for Bryce Harper to get back, assuming uh, he's going to get back? I I would love to have another center fielder too, but I, they just don't have a whole lot to trade with. So that's the problem. So if it's one or the other, I want a starting pitcher. If they can possibly get a starting pitcher and a center fielder, that would be great. But I don't know. There's just not a whole lot to work with as far as trade bait. So work your magic, Dave Dombrowski, please. All right. Well, Chet, uh, we'll close this Philly segment out by just saying stay off the hate train. Let it play out. <laughs> Let these guys, you know, run the marathon and not play the sprint. All right. All right, Bill. All right. Oh, well, I didn't know if we were going to have a random Chet this week. Uh, I was going to ask you about the concert hat trick. Maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe it is, Bill. Uh, let's see. I got something I got to get ready here. Um, 
Come on, don't let me down. There you go. Yeah, Bill, I know you know this. I did something last week because you mentioned it at the top that I'm pretty sure I have never, ever done in my life before. I attended concerts three nights in a row, all in different areas. And uh, here's my story, Bill. It all started last Thursday night when I ventured over to Asbury Park to see that terrific country duo that we had on our show just about a month ago, Williams Honor. Yeah, Gordon and Reagan, they were just so much fun. Great songs, great performance. They're very personable, and it was terrific to see them live for the very first time. Then Friday night over at Parks Casino in Ben Salem, my brother-in-law and I went to see Foreigner. Yeah, there's only one original guy still in the band these days, Mick Jones, and he wasn't even there that night. He only does occasional shows. But still, they were excellent. Twelve songs, every one of them a hit that the audience was able to sing along with. That was a fun night. Then on Saturday, I trekked up to Scranton, Pennsylvania, to the pavilion at Montage Mountain there to see four female-fronted bands, all from this century. Yes, uh, that would be Lilith Czar, The Warning, and the co-headliners, Hailstorm and The Pretty Reckless. I actually went to that one solo, but ended up hanging out with a bunch of fun-loving folks, including this wild dude, Mike, who was, well, a real trip. And notice his shirt. It says, Music is Life. I'll get back to that in a minute. Sunday morning then, by the way, not a live concert, but I did see more live music. I went over to see my buddy Tom Cunningham at Bar Anticipation in Lake Como, New Jersey, doing his Sunday with Springsteen show. And he had a very special guest, Steve Forbert. Steve Forbert is one of my favorites from way back when. He of Romeo's Tune fame. He's been cranking out albums for the last 43 years. Steve Forbert is a talented guy, and his new album, Moving Through America, it's you know kind of folk rock, but it's very, very good. I highly recommend it. All right, getting back to the dude's music is life shirt. It got me thinking just how important music is to my life. Pretty sure I never go through a single day without listening to at least a little bit of music. You know, I I, I frequently will put on uh, the radio when I'm getting a shower in the morning. And then as I'm driving to work and even at work, if I'm not listening to sports talk radio, I will listen to music. There's a new song out this summer by Weezer called Records, which opens with the lyrics, I hear records in my head everywhere that I go. I've got records in my head spinning out of control. That's me. I constantly hear songs in my noggin, even when there's no music actually playing. As that guy shirt said, music is life. Well, Chet, uh, good stuff. I could tell by your pictures. Hard to believe that there were selfies that came out of each one believe, of those events. But, hard uh, to believe. It is hard to believe. But, hey, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Springsteen. Springsteen tickets went on sale. I know two people that got them. Uh, astronomical prices. It was crazy. And uh, a lot of it is getting blamed on Ticketmaster. But the Wells Fargo Center doesn't even use Ticketmaster anymore. They just do their own thing. But it was the same situation. You had to tried to get in there before the 10 o'clock on sale thing. I got on there at 946. You waited in a queue. 10 o'clock, the official sale starts. You're in another queue. I finally got in at 1026 to buy tickets. I said, oh, there are tickets available. And guess what? I found a pair of tickets behind the stage, rear view, $99 plus $25 fee, which made them 124 bucks each. I go to buy them. I was going to buy three of them. I hit checkout 
I hit checkout. I hit checkout again. It wouldn't let me check out. I don't know why. It was crazy. So I'm trying everything. Couldn't do it. So I just eventually gave up. And then, of course, you know, you look back later, you see the resale values and they're, I think, $310 was the very cheapest one I saw for, you know, upper level boondocks area and up into the thousands beyond that. So I did not get tickets for the Wells Fargo Center, but I'm going to try again Friday morning because I'm a verified registered fan for the show up in Newark. So uh, we'll see if I can get through and have some better luck in going to see Bruce in Newark. Well, I'd like to, to congratulate the working man for working so well with the regular people that want to buy tickets to you know, the show. He doesn't uh, set the prices, but I yeah, yeah I do yeah, take some issue with him. You, you get you get it though, right? Oh, I do get uh, it. It's and I will tell you, my two guys. Um, one guy got three tickets to Baltimore, um, about nine hundred fifty dollars for the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the That's other guy right. got a couple tickets to State College, at about nine hundred and fifty dollars. Each. 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 Now, see, I thought I thought I heard somewhere, saw somewhere in line that the state college ones were a little easier to get, you know, if you got on there right away. But I didn't. Well, they might have been easier. But, you know, I read an article. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there was an article that talked about how they were doing this floating price thing or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, and while we're talking entertainment today, Chet, uh, there's a special birthday of uh, I guess it was yesterday. Of one of your favorite or two of your favorites. Two of my favorites. Go ahead. Well, I can even add a third if I wanted to. Of course, Mick Jagger, the best front man in the world, turned 79 yesterday. And he's got 30 years on a fellow Brit and one of my favorites. That, of course, the lovely Kate Beckinsale. No, I'm not going to put the picture up that I put up every year. You know. I don't have it handy. Kate Beckinsale and I, my old pal. In your wallet. What are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, Kate turned 49 yesterday. And I'll throw in another one. Sandra Bullock shares the birthday as well. So happy birthday yesterday to Sandra. And while we're doing birthday greetings, our buddy Carl Henderson celebrating a birthday today. So did you get to see him at all? I know he was down I in did. I saw Carl today at the, at the show in Atlantic City and uh, uh, got to say hello to him for just a few minutes and uh, – Wished him a happy birthday as well from us. Happy birthday, Carl. Um, and on a much more somber note, Tony Dow, Wally from uh, Leave it to Beaver, died not once but twice. He died yesterday. <laughs> well, not really. But it was reported that he died, but he was actually in hospice, still clinging to life. His wife somehow involved in the screw-up of putting the early death notice out there. Uh, he did die this morning, though, so... Rest in peace, Wally. Tony Dow has left us. That's right. Hey, Chet, uh, we've reached the end of July, and uh, we're, we're going to get ready to do our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame voting, our ninth class. We talked about it last week. We're going to wait until I get back into my uh, regular Philly Press Box office and actually get home, and we will get that out. So it is coming in August. Be ready to place your votes. Um, it's going to be fun again this year. Yeah, let me see if I can uh, get this on the screen because I somehow lost it. I'm going to load this and see if it works. Oh, this was uh, before last year, actually. So, uh, yeah, before last year, we had all these members and we added a bunch last year. And we're going to add more this year. Don't look at that now. We'll fix that before uh, we do it in mid-August, Bill. Let's do it in mid-August just like we did last year. Uh we will figure out who to leave on the ballot from past years, who to add to the ballot this year. And then, yeah, you are going to help us. 
when we uh, get around to it in August, we're going to add some new members this year, and you're going to be a part of it. Bill and I will get a selection as well. I mentioned this when you weren't on the show two weeks ago, Bill, but a few guys who will definitely not be on the ballot, among them Ilya Brizgalov, Charles Shackleford, <laughs> Namde Osamwa, Danny Watkins, Aaron Altair, and Dominic Brown. They will not be on the ballot for our some party. of my favorites too <laughs> yeah i know you love that aaron altier oh my goodness the nomni <laughs> oh nomni, hey yeah. uh, john roberts sent a little message here chet and this was his one we can't forget tommy mcdonald's birthday yeah. also can't forget him yeah. hey right. uh chet let's give a shout out to all the shows over at the edge of philly sports network this week wall-to-wall coverage as usual we're loaded up Catch all the action, www.eopsports, as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can find our show on Philly Press Box Radio YouTube channel. We need subscribers over there. Help us out by hitting that button, follow, like us, and all that stuff. As you can see, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays, and post-game, every Phillies game, um, Maddie B doing a great job with that every single night. Um, be sure to check that out. Yeah. Um, Maddie B, I think, is the busiest guy in the world as far as this whole podcasting thing. Doing all the Phillies games. He does his own weekly show, hops on other shows with other people. He's a sports fanatic, clearly. And uh, keep up the great work, Matt. Yep. Hey, Chet, great guest tonight in Mike Sielski. Who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio to start off August? I'm pretty excited about this one, Bill, and I think you're going to be too. And for people who don't know, again, Bill rarely knows in advance who our guests will be. So this will be a surprise to him as well. Next week, Bill, yeah, it's going to be a great one. Visiting with us for the first time in more than a year, it is Mr. Spring Training himself, the former Phillies color analyst, Chris Wheeler, to talk all things Phillies. And who knows, maybe even a little Penn State football. He's a big Nittany Lions fan. And hold on, Bill. There is more. There is more. Next week also, Bill, uh, this one is going to surprise you. There is a new children's book out. It is this one. It is The Mouse Who Played Football. Now, I don't know if you heard about this. It's a children's book. It is written by Leslie Van Arsdale, who used to be with Channel 3 doing sports, and Eagles legend Brian Westbrook, okay? Well, the big news is... Brian Westbrook and Leslie Van Arsdale will be on our show next week, Bill. Shut up. I would tell you how I arranged this, but I would have to then kill you. I don't really care how you arranged it. That's <laughs> stinking awesome. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Hey, you can't go wrong with wheels. I could talk to wheels for hours. Uh, but, man, what what a cool. Uh, yeah. Check out this book, The Mouse Who Played Football. Now, this is a, a soft version there's a hardcover version that is just now available for pre-order it comes out next week they sent me an advanced copy the uh soft version of it save a little money you know but uh it's good and what i love about it it's a great kids book it's kind of brian westbrook's story but as a mouse and you can read the whole thing in like seven minutes it's great that's my awesome. kind of book <laughs> awesome good stuff man yeah hey Hey, Chet, as I mentioned, uh, I'm in Atlantic City, the National Sports Memorabilia Collector Show through Sunday, uh, July 31st at the Convention Center. If you're a collector or just looking for something to do, stop by. It started today. It actually opened today at 3.30, and it was chaos. Uh, this convention center here is absolutely huge. Every square foot of it is full. 
Um, stop by and see Chip Brady and I, 118 Sports, booths 2916, 2920. There's like 125 signers. Dick Vermeil is here. Uh, Bill Berge, Jim Tomey, Bernie Perrant, Tommy Green, Dr. J, Allen Iverson, uh, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, Don Money, Milt Thompson, Mickey Morandini was here today. Um, then there's the Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. Dan Marino's, Joe Montana's, all them guys. Uh, Bill Walton. Hey, it's just jam-packed. Uh, it's, a, it's a great way to spend a day. Yeah, and I'm sure it's just going to get even more crazy as we move into the weekend when more people can come. But you said it was packed today and so many big names down there. You know, people are worried about the economy, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of money spent down there with those names. Absolutely. Absolutely. It looks like it and uh, off to a good start. So if you're there uh, or looking for something to do, a good way to spend a day, come on down to Atlantic City. Stop and see us. Um, say hello. I will promise you I will have on a press box radio shirt because that's what i do and uh we'll have a good time hey speaking of uh, sports legends and memorabilia i don't know if you saw this story on monday bill but there's a 70 year old mint condition mickey mantle baseball card out there and they say it could shatter records now at auction it's the 1952 mickey mantle rookie card it is just one of a handful in near perfect condition. It's estimated the final cost of the card could hit $10 million, maybe even exceed that when the auction ends on August 27th. The record prior to this was $6.6 million for a 1909 Hannes Wagner card that was sold last year. This Mickey card, they say, could go for $10 million. Bill, are you buying? I'm not buying, but I tell you what, there's been a lot of talk about it here over the first couple of days getting set up and, and opening today. There's a lot of talk about that. Uh, and as you saw on your note there, it said a Rosen find. Uh, oh, yeah. That is a guy, Alan Rosen, and he is the guy. He, he's passed away now. Uh, but he found those cards. There's a long story that I won't go into, um, but found them in, in an attic. And... Huh. Um, so, well, he bought them from somebody who found them in the attic. And, yeah, I think the uh, current owner them. said. I think the current owner said he paid fifty thousand for this particular card. Right. And now it's going right. to sell for ten million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, you know, uh, sooner or later it's all got to stop. But you, but you never know. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a baseball card. Pretty pretty crazy. Yes, indeed. All right. Hey, Chet, we got a couple minutes, so let's jump back and talk about the birds just a minute. Uh, you All know, right. I keep saying this, and uh, I think so far everybody is kind of against my my train of thought here. Mike Mike seemed to be like he was too. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on the I'm on the Jalen Hurts train, and I I, I feel like he is going to be solid. I said that, and I think all these weapons are are going to help him be better. I don't think him having to throw the ball a lot um, puts near as much pressure on him as it did last year because he's got better players around him. Um, what's your take on on Hertz going into the camp? I'm excited. I we know he's a hard worker. We know he's a leader. And I mean, some of the guys who've watched him, including Merrill Reese, say he does have the arm strength. So for me, it's just going to be about accuracy. 
and spreading the ball around properly. And I think I was kind of getting into what Mike was saying. I hope they don't get too much away from the running game, even though they have these weapons. I want to see them mix it up. And Miles Sanders is actually very, very good when he's in the lineup and healthy. His problem has been more, you know, just staying healthy. So he's in a contract year too, Miles Sanders. So he's going to be looking to have a big year and hopefully they will feed him the ball a lot. Then they got, you know, Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell as well. So they have some weapons in the backfield with Hertz as well. In addition to the receivers, so I hope they mix it up. I hope they don't throw it 40, 50 times a game, certainly. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that, it, you know, people seem to think it's become a rule that you have to pass 60, run 40, or pass 70, run 30. What's wrong with 50-50? And when you've got the best offensive line of football, run it down their throat and throw it when you need to. And, you know, it's all about points at the end of the game. And if you can run the ball and – uh Keep the other team off the field, you know, you'll win a lot of games and let your let your quarterback play. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch the competition this uh off season, this the training camp and uh preseason games. We don't know who the starting right guard is gonna be as yet. We don't know who the backup receivers are gonna be. You know, is Greg Ward gonna make the team? Is Jalen Rager gonna make the team? It may not be the most dramatic stuff, but I'm I'm just really curious to see if Rager is gonna stick around. I think he will because of the contract situation. They say it would hurt them more financially to cut him than to keep him. So I think he will still be on the team. And I think most people like Greg Ward, so hopefully there'll be a spot for him as well. And then, you know, Quez has got to get reps as well. So it's a crowded field, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you know you know how I am about, uh, about camp. I could care less. <laughs> uh, I really could. The only thing I care about in camp is the injury report. Yeah. Don't get my guys hurt before the season starts. You know, um, who makes the final cut? You know, you're you're really down in your 53-man roster. You're probably talking about five special team guys, uh, you know, that are, are make-or-break guys. Probably pretty much everybody else is pretty well locked in. Uh, I, I just want to see them get healthy, get ready for the season, be locked and loaded uh, get, to get this thing started and, and – go and kick butt come out of the shoot early i think they play play what six games you had the schedule up there i think it's six games yeah. before the the bye week yep one of the last one is against dallas uh, I'm, I'm good with six and oh come come break time they're probably going to be favored in at least five of those six um so it would be nice you know five and one six and oh that'd be great uh we mentioned dick Vermeil earlier bill and uh yes i'll be going out to canton a week from Friday for the big weekend festivities, the Hall of Fame inductions. And I'm doing so with Philly sports trips. That particular trip is sold out, but they've got all sorts of other trips for sports fans to consider in the months ahead, including a September trip to Wrigley Field for the Phils and Cubs, a Sons of Ben soccer trip to London and Leeds in early September. Check that out. And of course, all of the Eagles away games. They will have trips for those, most of them, flying you know to detroit arizona houston of course but then there'll be bus trips also to washington and new york and i know that that washington trip is pretty well booked at this point joey sheeran's been plugging it quite a bit he's going down there wish i could because that's going to be fun when you know carson wentz takes the field against his old team and this just in they have announced this week next year's spring training trip already march 15th to the 20th 
You can go watch the Phillies get ready for the 2023 season. And there'll be even be some time to hang out with Charlie Manuel for a bit. You can get all the info on the website, phillysportstrips.com. Again, phillysportstrips.com. Very good. All right, Chet, let's take another quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. People can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Parting shot for you, sir, or did you uh, cover it? I'll, I'll do a parting shot. What the heck, Bill? Go um, ahead. Yeah, you know, we're all looking forward to this Eagles football season, as we've discussed. But in addition to the games themselves, it'll be interesting to see how the battle for post-game viewers shapes out. For more than two decades, mm-hmm. the post-game live show um, on what used to be Comcast Sportsnet and more recently NBC Sports Philly was the prime destination for most birds fans. But the growth of available shows via YouTube and elsewhere on the internet has made it more challenging for all of us. And it got even more interesting with the news in recent months that Ray Dinger has retired and Seth Joyner decided to bail. So he's gone elsewhere. We'll talk about that in a second. Our crew at edge of Philly sports network is going to be doing post game shows this entire football season. And there's lots of anticipation about a brand new show from Jacob media. And this is pretty interesting. They have quite a lineup, an impressive cast, Derek Gunn, Mike Missinelli, the aforementioned Seth Joyner and Devin Caney, which will be broadcast live from Atlantic city's ocean casino for two hours after every single Eagles game. That's going to be interesting. Unless I missed it, NBC Sports Philly hasn't yet announced who will be joining Michael Barkan and Barrett Brooks, but uh, that's going to be some competition right there. Stay tuned. Absolutely. I'll be I'll be listening to Edge of Philly Sports would be the one Absolutely. I'll be hooked up to the most. You don't get this kind of talent everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I was going to uh, – one thing I was going to ask Mike, um, and we'll talk about this maybe another time, is the whole – locker room brouhaha with Nick Castellanos and how that all played out. Um, you know, Mike would have been a great one to talk about that because Mike asked tough questions. So, uh, yeah, I just, just ran When I said I had one more question and then kind of oh, ran yeah. out of time, uh, that was going to be my question. But we'll get another one of those uh, beat writers or writers and we'll, we'll get to the bottom of how that went down. Very interesting. Wrap it up, Bill. Absolutely. Let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Mike Sielski, our sponsors. The Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's Like Your BPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Boy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio. On Google Podcasts as well as I, I Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I hope